0: The scripture passage that I will be preaching from this morning is John chapter 20, verses 1 through verse 18. Before I have you stand and I read that text, I want to draw your attention back to our public confession of sin. Near the end of that confession, we said something that's quoted from the Valley of Vision. Valley of Vision is a book we often use for prayers of confession. We pray, grant me more and more of the resurrection life. May it rule me. May I walk in its power and be strengthened through its influence. What is the resurrection life? Over the next several Sundays, we're going to be looking at that theme through the gospel of John. Just as we were in the gospel of John during Holy Week, we're going to stay in the gospel of John and Look at this resurrection power and what it means to live a re- resurrection life. This morning, we're going to specifically be looking at the life of Mary Magdalene as she approached the tomb, saw that it was empty, and then turned and saw her Lord and Savior Jesus. This is a very moving story about the true resurrection of Christ and the impact upon those who witnessed this firsthand. So let's stand for the reading of God's word again. John 20, verses one through 18. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. Why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace, be with you. Let's pray. Father, as we open your word, we're so deeply grateful for the hope that we have in our resurrected Lord. Holy Spirit, you're living inside us. You have illuminated our hearts and minds to believe the truth about Jesus. We ask that you would do that illumination even now, that we might be deeply moved by the things that we hear, that we would we'd see again the glory of this resurrected Lord that we would bring to you our own grief. And that even in this moment, you would resurrect in our hearts and minds the truth of who we are in Christ. I pray this in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I'm very excited for us to spend some time in the Gospel of John in these final two chapters looking at this resurrection life. Again, from the Valley of Vision, grant me more and more of the resurrection life. May it rule me. May I walk in its power and be strengthened by its influence. We want to learn what that means. In this season of our life together as believers, there is a hope that is unlike any other hope, but it's more than just a hope of what one day will be. It's the hope of a power and a presence that's living inside us. What is this resurrection life? What is this resurrection power? Twice Paul speaks, or more than that, frankly, in his word, in his letters about the resurrection life. First in Ephesians chapter one, as Paul is explaining his passion and desire for the people in thanksgiving and prayer, this is what he prays Paul also mentions this resurrection life, this resurrection power in his letter to the church at Rome. Paul speaks in verse 11 of this resurrection power and presence. He says, If the Spirit, capital S meaning Holy Spirit, if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Well, the truth is that if you are in Christ, a brother or sister who has professed faith in Jesus, who has rested and received Jesus alone for your salvation, then the power of the Holy Spirit, the one who raised Jesus from the dead, that resurrection power is living in you. So when we ask God to grant us more and more of that, we're talking about something that's not aspirational, but something that is real. The living God, the powerful God, the resurrected God through the powerful presence of the Holy Spirit is living inside us. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at these narratives, seeing how they experience the resurrection life, the resurrection power, and how they begin to walk in the strength Of its influence. First, let's talk about Mary Magdalene. The first thing that we need to know about Mary is that she was a very close friend of Jesus. She walked with the disciples. Luke tells us in his gospel that as Jesus was moving through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of his kingdom. Luke says in chapter eight, one through 12, that the 12 were with him and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene from whom seven demons had gone out. So Jesus Christ had delivered Mary Magdalene from seven demons. She was demonically possessed Now think for a moment just about what that might have meant for her life. Here is a woman who is encountering extreme evil. She has demons who are living in her, who are causing her all sorts of anguish, mental, emotional, and likely physical anguish, planting ideas and thoughts in her mind that were purely from the evil one, encountering those who were demon, demonically oppressed, Jesus had tremendous compassion. We see in other stories that are more specific about what the exorcism was like, that they would often foam at the mouth, have physical convulsions, were harming themselves. So Mary Magdalene, this early follower of Jesus, she was a friend of Jesus. She was one who believed in him because she was one in whom he himself had delivered her from so much evil. Mary had an incredible story of rescue. And because of that story of rescue, what Christ had done for her and how the kingdom had come to her, she was a devoted follower of Christ. She loved him very much. The gospels tell us that this close friend, Mary Magdalene was at the cross. In Matthew's gospel, and again in Mark's, it says, there were also women looking on from a distance among whom were Mary Magdalene. And then we're also told that Mary was at the tomb. Matthew 27 says Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting opposite the tomb. And in Luke's gospel, chapter 23, it says the woman who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they, these women, returned and prepared spices and ointments. As we look at Mary's life, we see that she was this devoted follower who was with him all the way to the place of the cross. There, a bit distant from what was happening, she saw all that took place against Jesus on the cross, hearing the words that he spoke, hearing the promises that he had made, seeing the one she loved so much in such agony. She sees the body of Jesus dead. She sees the body that has been marred by the beatings, by the, the slashes, by the scourging, by all that took place on that evil cross. She then touches that body as she returns to prepare spices and ointments for that body. One of the great words that you see in this narrative over and over again is the word turn or return. So in this account, early in chapter 20, it tells us that on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. So in the early morning, she's moving towards the tomb. She's turned her eyes towards going to that place. But when she gets there and turns her head, she sees that the the covering of the tomb, the stone has been removed. Then she turns and she runs to see Peter and John. John and Peter race to the tomb. John makes it clear that he gets there first, but he pauses before he goes in and Peter runs in. Then John follows and indeed Jesus is gone. The passage, as Luke records it, tells us that they returned to their homes, but not Mary. Mary stayed there. She stayed there weeping. The text tells us standing in deep grief. But then she stoops down. She she turns and she herself looks into the tomb. The tomb that is empty except for these two angels. One at the head, the other at the feet of where Jesus had been laid. And then they speak. John records only one question that the angels ask. And the question is this, woman, why are you weeping? A little bit later, it's going to be the very first question that Jesus asked. Mary doesn't know it's Jesus. She assumes it's the gardener. Why are you weeping? Well, I think it's important as we unpack this passage to spend a little time with that question. Why was she weeping? The reason Mary was weeping was because she was experiencing deep grief. Her Lord had been killed. Her Lord and friend, the one who delivered her from this demonic oppression, seven demons, the one who had the words of eternal life, the one whom she had followed and witnessed doing so many good things for the glory of God and the good of man. Now he has died. She saw his body. She saw that his body had been placed in this tomb. Now adding to her grief is confusion. Her grief over the very recent past is now multiplied by the confusing present. That often happens in real grief. Her grief over the very recent past, the death of her friend, her king, her savior, her Lord, is now multiplied by the confusion of the present. He's not here. Where have they taken his body? Grief is important for us to stay with for a while. Grief is important for us to realize that Mary was there at that tomb, going to that tomb that morning with a very heavy heart, with profound sadness. Grief is part of what it means to be human. We saw that Jesus himself wept at Lazarus's tomb. Grief is part of what it means to be this side of heaven in a broken and fallen world. Well, Mary is experiencing grief in a profound way. Sometimes we move too quickly past grief. We don't let grief take its process that it needs to take to help us truly see and trust that the Lord is good in the midst of all that seems so wrong, all that is so very confusing. But John, as he is carried along by the Spirit to record this gospel, gives us this important question twice. Woman, why are you weeping? I do not believe it's a rhetorical question or a rebuke. You shouldn't be weeping. I believe that the spirit of God that carried along John knew that we needed to see the grief that was present in this narrative. Woman, why are you weeping? Well, she's weeping because her heart is broken. She's weeping because she has experienced great loss. One woman that I respect greatly who has done so much to instruct Christians and others on how we should go through the process of grief, is Nancy Guthrie. Nancy is a dear friend of this church. She's taught here many times. Many of her books are in our bookstore. She has helped so many in our church walk through their own grief. I recently had a conversation, an interview with her, just the two of us, that in a couple of weeks I'm going to make available for you to see As she described her story and her husband David in their own grief at losing two children, neither one living beyond 190 days, 199 days. Um, I asked her, Nancy, what is grief? Can you define it? She let out a huge gasp, a big sigh, and then said, grief is simply the human response to loss, losing something or someone that is valuable to you. Grief is the human response to loss. And in this narrative that John has recorded for us, Mary Magdalene is experiencing incredible loss. The loss of her Lord, the loss of her friend, the loss of her teacher, the loss of the one who delivered her from all of this evil and then ultimately would deliver her from sin, he has died. Met with that incredible grief now is so much confusion. I don't know where they've taken his body. Grief is something that we all, because we're human, experience the sight of heaven. And in the midst of this pandemic, there is going to be as there already has been so much grief. Yes, there are going to be many good things that comes from this. We're going to see so much of how God, for his own glory, has done something that we never could have imagined. But we don't need to deny the grief that exists. There is grief when you see the numbers of people across the world who have died. Imagine for a moment their relatives their friends, imagine those families that have lost more than one loved one. Along with those who are dying from this virus, there are those even in our own body who are experiencing the mourning of of losing a loved one to more ordinary means. I think of John Bateman recently losing his father at a ripe old age, but still, it's his dad. There is tremendous grief in being a human being. And there's grief not only in the loss of a loved one, but there's grief in the loss of a job. There's grief in the loss of not being able to celebrate a wedding that you had planned or a college graduation. I have a dear friend from seminary whose youngest daughter was set to graduate from high school next month and his two twin older daughters were both set to graduate from college. There will be no graduation ceremonies for that family. That doesn't compare to the loss of a loved one. But yet, it is a loss. It is a grief. And as things eventually return to some level of normalcy, like we've once known, there'll be new griefs. There'll be things that we actually are experiencing now that we're going to miss sometime later because life goes back to a different pace. Christians have the ability, because of our resurrection life, because of the resurrection power in us, to grieve as the gospel would enable us and allow us to grieve. It doesn't mean that we should deny our pain, that we should deny our sadness, that we shouldn't have tears that flow readily. It means that when we grieve, we don't grieve as those without hope, that our grief because we're Christians comes with perspective, perspective that allows us to go deep in the grief and understand that God is with us there. And that's exactly what you see present here. The angels meet Mary Magdalene and ask the question, why are you weeping? And the very first thing that the gardener, who is Jesus, says to Mary, why are you weeping, woman? Why are you weeping? She gives an answer. In both accounts, Mary tells the angels first while she's weeping, why she's weeping And then the gardener, who's Jesus. When the angels ask her why she's weeping, she says in verse 13, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Again, you see the confusion that is in her heart and mind. Having said this, verse 14, she turns. And as she turns, she sees the gardener, but it's actually Jesus. She does not know it's Jesus yet. Jesus asked her the same question, woman, why are you weeping? But then he asked a second question, whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she says to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. And then Jesus speaks, this time not with a question, but with her name. Mary. And then it says, she turned and said to him, Rabboni. And then Jesus speaks. Gently, I believe to her saying, do not cling to me. In other words, don't cling to anything that is earthly. I have yet to ascend, but I'm going to ascend. And he tells her then to return and tell the disciples, essentially, that he is risen. Jesus Christ enters into Mary's grief. There's so many things that we see in this profound picture. We see a God, our Savior, Jesus, entering into her grief because he's alive. He really is risen from the dead. And as Brent said, Jesus really has risen for me just as he really had risen for her. He's able to enter into her grief because he's alive. He's able also to enter into her grief because John shows us he acknowledges her grief. But more than acknowledging her grief, Jesus were told in the prophet Isaiah, that he is one who is acquainted with grief. And then in Isaiah 53, 4, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. The one who Mary thinks is the gardener is the one who is not just acknowledging her sadness, but he is acquainted himself with sadness. He's alive. He knows what it means to grieve. And then he speaks, revealing to her, that he knows her name. But he does more than just reveal that he knows her name. He calls her by name. My dear friend, if you are in Christ Jesus, it's because he knows your name. But more specifically than just knowing your name, at some point in your life, when you became a Christian, he spoke your name. Through the illumination of the Holy Spirit, offering you irresistible grace, the risen Lord himself, he's alive, caused you to see that he was speaking your name. You didn't hear it, but you sensed that the spirit of God was revealing himself to you. Jesus Christ in this text reveals to us the resurrection life. He had to die in order to pay the just penalty for our sins, taking on the father's wrath. He was that sacrificial lamb, the great high priest. That resurrection life is revealed in his encounter with Mary. And as you will see in the weeks to come, the others, he is alive. He is a savior who is acquainted with our grief as his heart burst because he became sin for us. But he's alive. This risen Lord enters into our grief. As one acquainted with it. But also one who's entering into it with us. Whatever grief you are experiencing now. He's not just aware of it. He is leading you in it. And will lead you through it. This little word turn and Return is significant for us in the resurrection life. No matter what grief you're encountering today, whether it's grief from the the loss of a loved one or the memory of that loss, or whether it's something you've lost recently because of this pandemic, our Lord and Savior, if you are in him, is with you. He is with you in your grief and he's leading you. What can we learn from Mary in this encounter? First, we need to return to the tomb. We need to return to the tomb frequently, remembering what Christ paid for on the cross, remembering that his body was put into that tomb, but remembering as we stoop down to look inside, as we turn our eyes to look inside, that he's not there, he's alive. Like Mary, we need to turn and listen to his voice and hear him through the powerful illumination of his spirit, calling us by name, for we are his. We need to turn and listen to his word. And as we do, then we need to turn and tell others the good news that Christ is alive, that he and he alone is the victor over death, that he and he alone is the way of salvation that he really is the way, the truth, and the life. And when we turn to him, the hope that we have is realized. It is a resurrected hope. It is a resurrected hope. It is a resurrected hope filled with a resurrected power because the living God is inside us. And this living God is faithful to answer a prayer like the one we prayed. Grant me more and more of the resurrection life. Mary went to that tomb and experienced inconsolable grief, but she left having experienced immeasurable glory. is alive. Father, we come to you because our Redeemer lives. We come to you because Jesus has given us access. We come to you who sent your Son to experience the greatest of all griefs that we might know one day for all eternity that we will grieve no more. Thank you for Mary's tears. Thank you for your tears. Thank you for the tears that you have given us and the ones still to come. But thank you that when we weep, we are never weeping alone. You call us by name and we are yours. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.